So I remember there was this candy shop on the way out of Six Flags Over Texas. And every time we would go, we would stop at the candy shop on the way out. And that was the only place that had those gigantic jawbreakers. And I would get one. And from Six Flags to our house, it was roughly like a two-hour drive. And I would take that two hours as a challenge to get that jawbreaker son of a bitch down. And I never did it. Like I would always get it like, you know, a quarter of the way or halfway or something like that. And I would never actually finish it by the time we got home. But that was always the task. And they're like kind of disgusting. I I think looking back now, I would never put that in my mouth again. But like as a kid, I used to be They're like messy. Yeah, yeah. It got this like chalk. Yeah, no, it's on the fingers. It's the chalk. Yeah. Yep. See, I feel like I would have a small one just to like relive that chalk experience. Yeah. Welcome to Can We Save the Cat, the one and only writer's room, where we take an idea out of three options, turn it into the next big thing, and uh, we'll see what happens next. I'm Justin Eugene. I'm Danny Hanks. I am Brian Hayes. <laughs> <laughs> that was my, uh, what's the guy's name from, the fr- uh, from Friends that does like the smell of fart pause? Joey? Joe, that was my Joey moment where I was like, I'm just going to pause here and just hold it where it's awkward and then move on. Oh, my God. <laughs> Is anyone else a part of their local buy nothing group? Oh, my gosh. My partner just signed up for this. She wanted me to specifically tell you that she just signed up for a local buy nothing yeah, so I have what been a part that? of it for months. Okay, it's basically a Facebook group where it's your area and it's people who are trying to get rid of things or give things away for free. And then you can like do trades and stuff like that. And it's anything from, oh, I'm trying to get rid of a couch to, hey, I have this mostly full bottle of shampoo. Turns out that I'm allergic to it. I can't use it anymore. Does anybody want it before I throw it away? And um, the other day, somebody posted this brand And they were like, I bought these candies thinking that I would like them. And it turns out that I don't. And they're called Chili Chews. And it's like sour and gummy candies with that Mexican spice, the chili lime spice on them. Yeah. And it's really good. So I'm currently having sour watermelon Chili Chews. And they're freaking delicious. That sounds horrible for what it's worth. No, they're amazing. Like, Mm. especially if you grew up California or Texas, you've definitely had candy with this stuff on it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I hated it. Yeah, same. That's all I was about disgusting. to say. We we did, and I, I absolutely hated it. You're just wrong. You're wrong. Yeah, I mean, I definitely knew there was like that candy and chili powder, but I didn't like it, so I don't even know the names or saw it. Yeah. There's so much culture food out there where like it's, I think it's so disgusting. I'm just like, man, somebody likes this. So in Sweden, they have salt candy where they have like licorice and, and gummy candy they put salt on. So one of my best friends is from Sweden. So like there's a Swedish candy shop in uh, in the city in the West Village. So we went there and like he was like, oh, you got to try this. And like I thought it was sugar. And God, what an awful response <laughs> that is when you think it's sugar. Just like, oh, oh, oh. I can imagine. Ugh. But I mean, a lot of their candy is awesome. It's like a lot of sour gummy candy. But they do 
black licorice and like a lot of salt licorice and gummy candy. It's just so gross to me. Yeah, I'm not I'm not big on like mixing of sweet and sour or uh sweet and salty stuff like that. So like I do so know sour you're patch about kids? The Lucas. Sour patch kids are kind of on the line but not really. They're not my cup of tea. Yeah, I mean I like them but I I wouldn't say I could eat like a ton of them. I'm not yeah. going to go through it like a bag. I mean, I huh. like them just because of I like sour things. So like um sour skittles are my favorite because I just like sour things. I used to love sour skittles. Yeah. I like some sour Skittles. I used to love, I just haven't had them since I was like, in like Little League Baseball probably, but Warheads. Oh, yeah. I used yeah. to love Warheads, yeah. But there was that whole challenge of like, can you handle this? I think the competitive person me liked them because I was like, I can do this. I it was also like, this. let's take off the roof of my mouth. You know what I mean? That was a big thing as a kid. Yeah, I mean, there was no skin on my tongue or mouth after baseball season. Yeah, no, it's awful. And I absolutely hated baseball too. It was like that kid in the outfit that was just like waiting for the snow to come at the end. That was me as well. That's funny. Oh, I was like, oh my god, I'm gonna get a suicide drink with like all the flavors. It, it would every every <laughs> week would be a different parent or something like that, and so like some parents would have really good gummy candies that they would give you after games. And some and parent stuff. would be an asshole and pack like peaches or pears. Yeah. And be like, you dick. Yeah, never liked that one. So what I don't get is that like so many people love gummy candy. And I feel like growing up, that was never my go-to. Like, as an adult, I'm, I ask people, oh, you know, what's your favorite candy? And almost everybody is like, gummy candy. I'm like, I... I can, I can say I've never said gummy candy before, but I get it. Uh, we had gummy Skittles for the first time last night. They were really good. What? They're Skittles. They taste exactly like Skittles, but they're gummies. So, like, lifesavers? Yeah, like gummy lifesavers, but gummy Skittles. Yeah. That's weird. I don't understand the obsession with gummy candy. I really don't. It's because when you're old, Danny, you can't chew as well. And so the but gummy is But then isn't is it going to like pull out your fillings? <laughs> uh, how hard do you think the gummy is? I feel like I've definitely known somebody who had a now and later. Or now like, and laters are insanely. That's, that's not gummy. <laughs> that's like, that's a hard candy that becomes gummy. <laughs> Yeah, it's basically like a peppermint that becomes a uh, taffy. A peppermint? Well, I don't know. Like Weird the, description the, there, Brian, but I got you. Yeah. The consistency. Okay. Yeah, the consistency. It becomes like taffy, though, and taffy will pull your fillings out. Yeah, like Laffy Taffy's. My brother taffies. definitely pulled a filling out with a now and later once. Yeah. The weird thing about that candy is like, it's literally like, it's not good until later. Agreed. Like, right now, that candy sucks, but it, later on, it'll be good once you, like, soften it up, which is... <laughs> terrifying <laughs> that you have to soften a candy up with your mouth to make it good it's a massive it's pain really in the ass funny. to get through the first like 20 seconds of that to enjoy the later part it's not even 20 seconds it's like two minutes <laughs> you know the best one baby bottle pops baby uh, bottle yep. pops yeah i don't oh. like those sour baby I bottle pops i would just go to town on I had a at a junior party and like one of the kids uh, choked on a ring pop. Oh God! How a, do you choke on a ring pop? He was running around with it in his without it on his finger, just like on the mouth, and just like, and I had to do the Heimlich. Was, How like, dare you call ago. me out like that? <laughs> and he was like twelve. Like he wasn't even like a little kid. He was like like barely a child. Like a, a child that should know better but didn't. <laughs> oh my gosh! And that's my pitch for this week, guys: choking toddlers. Yeah. So, like, it's it's been a little while since we recorded since Brian's been out, but uh, so it'll be 
interesting to see if everybody came with some fresh new ideas since we've had some time. <laughs> wow, way to just throw shade since you know what I'm bringing, Justin. <laughs> you're, I mean, you're bringing a fresh idea, it's just not yours. Oh, <laughs> interesting. There was a pre-conversation before you got in. Ah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's uh, let's do this. Let's hop to it and start with that fresh subway idea from Danny. Danny, why don't you start us off? All right. So this comes to us from a friend of the pod. And uh, basically, I was telling this person about our premature episode. One of the best. And how we were originally going to call it One Pump Chump. <laughs> so I have a pitch for One Pump Chump. A dramatic comedy about a woman who inherits an oil well in West Texas and has to make it profitable while finding sex that isn't totally mediocre. The tagline is, it's hard to find love that lasts in the panhandle. The plot heats up when she finds herself drawn to an environmental activist who pickets her well, and she's horrified when she realizes he's the only man in 200 miles who knows what the clit is. I mean, this could be a, <laughs> this could be a great B film right here. I feel like there's a great, there's a solid section in the world for this film what's that movie with like matt damon and john krasinski promised land where like one's like an epa and one uh is like a i don't know what it's called but i remember the trailer yeah kind of reminds me of that but with like just a lot of sex um (laughs) (laughs) have to admit it's pretty damn funny yeah i mean the premise itself is funny but it's one of those things turning that into like a movie is kind of like could you make this a good movie, or is it just going to be In like... In theory, I feel like this would be a good movie. <laughs> I, I mean, anything, I guess, could be. It just, like, in my head, I'm like, it sounds like a really sad B-movie, but, like, it probably has some funny moments. <laughs> like, it'll have a cult following that people, like, love it, but, like, it's really bad in a way. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's what we're aiming for here. Uh, Brian, you want to go, or you want me to go? I'll go next. Okay. So, mine is... Now, bear with me here. I know we've done a couple of these, or we pitched a couple of them, but just bear with me. This is a quote-unquote quarantine-style hangover-esque rom-com. And and you'll see what I mean in a second about the quote-unquote. Okay. Kate is in love with her roommate, Laura, and the only one who knows about it is their third roommate. When the three plan to go out partying one night, a snowstorm and subsequent blackout leads to the three partying at home, and the next morning, Kate ends up in Laura's bed. The problem is, no one can remember what happened and how they ended up in that position. So it's kind of like a piecing together the previous night, but also mixed with this really sweet rom-com of these two girls that are... They were in the same bed, and so one of them's forced to confront her feelings, like, how did this happen? And the other is trying to pursue this because, like, hey, it did happen, but the end game is, like, did anything happen? So it's a quote-unquote quarantine hangover-style rom-com. I like it. It's adorable. Okay. Okay. Have we done something similar to that? Well, we did the hinge, but it doesn't necessarily deal. It was the same. It was had similarities. It it had similarities in that, like the two roommates are kind of like end up together, and the hinge is just kind of like the third person. Um, But this is more like we're we're following all three of them, and we're we're seeing the relationship develop. Kind of, I don't know. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, almost like Memento backwards. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, Memento meets The Hangover. Your voice had a weird octave there, but I liked it. Hell yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah for sure yeah i mean 
All right, so mine's going to take some props. <laughs> Nobody can oh, see gosh. this. Okay, this is a golden machine gun. This is a champagne gun. <laughs> okay. So mine is the OC meets the Beverly Hillbillies. <laughs> okay. We have your modern day family who runs into some wealth, moves into a fluent area, and is struck with like the situations of relationships with like just a different social class with the kids and the parents. I want to. I like the OC because it always it blended that like parent and kids like it was two shows in one. Mm-hmm. In the first episode, Chad and Bryce take out Elliot to go shooting, but not shooting the way he's used to in Arkansas, shooting champagne guns at girls. <laughs> Wow. At a high school party. <laughs> Shit gets real. So it's like reverse Shit's Creek. Yeah, but I mean, that's kind of what a little bit of the OC was like. An outsider comes into a wealthy area and is like an outcast, but he's cool because he's different. And the Beverly Hills is the same thing. Like They were like really wealthy people that struck oil that like moved into a mansion and like didn't understand why rich people did certain things. I think it would be fun to set it in the Silicon Valley area. I was thinking that or either Westchester, New York. That's the suburbs of New York City, right? So, like, yeah, I think you got a couple options, but it'd be very interesting to watch. Like, a in the OC, they brought a guy from like Chino who was like from the hard streets. I don't think it has to be that person. I think it's like your classic, like, Chino. I think it's your classic, like, uh, lower middle class. Like, they don't just don't know what's going. They don't understand. Interesting. Okay. Why do all the moms wear athletic gear all the time, but they don't work out? <laughs> okay. Okay. Okay, so we have one pump chump, a quarantine style, quote unquote, uh, hangover rom-com, and reverse Beverly. Well, it's not even really reverse Beverly Hillbillies. No. It's, 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 a, it's a modern age Beverly Hillbillies. Meets the OC. Meets the OC, so more drama and, and teen and family focus. Okay, interesting. Uh, same order? Sure. Reverse order? You need more time to think about this, Danny? Yeah, I need more time. I think that's a good thing, right? That that means we brought the heat. Or she's trying to figure out how she can vote for herself. No. I love my idea. I just think that it's already already all beat out. I mean, I basically brought the best premise in here. It's all ready to go. Just got to sit down and write that thing, so... You mean you brought someone else's best premise? (laughs) I mean, yeah, I'm not going to diss the friend of a pod. I would never. I think it is an amazing... Amazing one. They should be a guest on the show at this point. I mean, they're bringing, yeah. they're bringing better ideas than some of the hosts. Uh, <laughs> All right, Justin. I mean, that's Danny saying that. She said it was a, one of the best ideas. So, I mean. That's fair. Um, I think I would vote for Brian's just because Danny's still to me feels like a B movie. And I just wouldn't go for that per se. But I think someone could make it into something. I just couldn't do it. I have to clarify when you say B movie, do you mean B list movie, or do you mean like the animated B movie? Because every time you say B movie, I just he think of B movie. Clearly means B list movie. Why the <laughs> hell would he be comparing this to the Jerry Seinfeld B movie? <laughs> I just had to clarify because I, <laughs> uh, Danny, I would like to reconfirm that Justin doesn't watch animated shit. So why the fuck would it be that? <laughs> Yes, a B-list movie. I just can't see myself making that into a good movie. I would just goof around the whole time on that movie. All right, guys. I've been thinking a lot about this in the last 20 seconds. And uh, something that I've noticed a lot recently is that right now, studios are really going after television shows. 
So <laughs> I don't know if it's been said enough over the last few episodes. So I'm going to go with Justin's because I like the idea of right now working on a TV show. More than one pump chump. <laughs> um, so you're in the exact same position because Dan, uh, both Justin yeah. and I have a vote. So, Yeah, I'm, I'm still going to have to choose between the two of you. Yeah. So this is really hard. I'm going to go with Justin's because I'm not in love with the hangover in a house. It, it's very limited to like one set. I don't yeah. know. I... I um. <laughs> I want to say this for Brian's sake, even though you've you picked mine. I think Brian's would be a cool pitch in a like thriller version too. Oh, yeah. I also think if instead of the two girls who like each other ending up in the same bed, the girl that the one has a crush on and the other roommate end up in the same bed, more drama. Fair. This is going to be a great repitch, Brian. Is what we're saying. Fair. <laughs> but anyway, I'm going to go with Justin's because I'm curious to see. What spin we take on it? Because there has been the OC and Beverly And like you said, it's the reverse of Schitt's Creek. Right. But what is... I'm curious to see what the spin on that is. Because I feel like it has, in a way, already been done. So give me that... What's the heat here? What's new? So Danny, I'm going to say this uh, as I've said to you guys many times. Things get redone for a reason because they work. Right. The spin is always like... Whether it be like the character types or the arcs, but like it in theory, it's all teen dramas are the same. Right. That's like going I mean, to a romantic comedy and thinking, like, you know what? I bet they won't get together this time. Give me that twist. Okay, but here's the thing about these types of things that are redone is that there's always a difference in the premise or location or whatever for sure. or character. I agree. And so that's what I'm curious about. Are we setting this in Silicon Valley where it's a very different kind of wealth? Are we setting this in gen z pop star like is this somebody goes freaking viral on tiktok and all of a sudden makes a bunch of money and has to continue being a tiktok star and basically doesn't know anything about this and it's like a grandma in the tiktok world like what's the what i don't want it to be i don't want to be that classic move where like somebody dies and i find out they've inherited some wealth right i want the dad or mom to have like come into something whether it be like you know what her mom she created this like fashion line that blew up out of nowhere that was like this local thing that became like something. That's why I think Silicon Valley, because you can deal with like the mom or the dad creating an app or something that gets sold or bought and uh, is now a part of a larger company. And now that's why they're, they moved there. They have money now, but they're still trying to navigate everything. But the dad. I also think it can be as simple as like the dad did something and no one knows what it is. Like, I mean, do kids really know what their parents do? Well, how old are these kids? I think these kids are going to be in high school dealing okay. with your classic teen drama. I think, like I said, it's either Westchester, New York to me or Silicon Valley works for me. Like, those are both areas where, like, someone of wealth would go to be in the suburbs and still kind of have work. I guess what I'm focused on is the Schitt's Creek and the OC aspect, which is like we saw a heck of a lot of the parents' interactions at their work and so if we're going to be doing that, then we do need to beat out what it is that they moved there for. Yeah. So let's so let's say it's Silicon Valley sells an app and he's working in a whatever big company. Yeah. He's, he's basically bought by a company that moves him and his family out there from Bumbleskin, Texas or something or Arkansas or whatever. 
let's say he's from Arkansas and let's say like he's basically signed a deal where like the first 18 months he has to like be the face of the company. He's just a figurehead per se. Then you can mess with the storyline of how he like he wants to be more involved. Something weird happens with a coworker. Yeah, I mean, I would say that he's probably like from Arkansas and he made this he he's part of a bunch of threads on Reddit and he posts this new thing on Reddit and then all of a sudden this big tech company scoops him up and like buys it from him for a lot of money. Yeah, what if it's like super environmentally friendly and like he did this huge great thing and the company's like not going to use it the right way. Well, then we're getting into little miss moneymaker. <laughs> Just saying that could be pieces of storyline right there. Like you could use that. Yeah, yeah, that could be like our C plot That's for That's not going to be like your overarching. I think your arcing stuff is going to be the relationships. Yeah. So then we have like teenagers. I mean, what are we playing with here when we're going from Arkansas to Silicon Valley? I mean, I would love it to be like a brother, sister, twins that are freshmen in high school. Sure. Just that dynamic of like you get the girl and boy side of things and like they're twins, they're close. But like it's weird because at that age, you're definitely going through different things as a boy and a girl. Yeah. Yeah. What I would also say is if we're going like dramedy around this is the how progressive it is for sure and so i'd say like you know one of the children is probably lgbt and over the course of the season is like figuring that out and coming to terms with that and they thought they were going to come out in arkansas but they didn't and they come out in silicon valley and it's a really different situation right or like being in silicon valley with all of these people who are queer um helps them to realize and accept themselves i guess the question is like so with Shit's Creek, it was like going from this really hoity-toity place to this really bumfuck nowhere location. So I think where they're coming from is going to play a lot Sure. in, you know, even though Shit's Creek, we didn't have a specific location. But like when we say these people are getting big, are they like religious? Are they, you know, what's their history? Well, I mean, I think that's kind of one of the things like the pilots, basically, we see them in their hometown in Arkansas where like things are like just so simple and so slow. Right. And you go to Silicon Valley where it's like everyone's on their phone, everything's so fast. You know, like right. everybody knows you, everybody knows about your name. Like it's a small town here. People know people, but like being known as dangerous. That's why I made the joke about the champagne gun. Literally, like they would go shoot guns in Arkansas as an activity there in Silicon Valley. That'd be like the worst thing you could do. Yeah. And the great thing about that town is like you could always bring people from that town as guest stars to just spice some yeah, shit up. Yeah, to visit. Yeah. So much stuff. Yeah. So what I love about it is you can follow the teens and it's like, I almost am tempted to be like one teenager and then one person who's like a little bit older maybe, but like still living at home, like early 20s. My only issue with that is like, it's hard to find their group because you got a high school group, right? And then you got the adult group. If you got that 20 year old, how long do they last in the show? Like, in a group that's not weird. Well, I mean, I what I would they're do is... They're not going to be with the high schoolers. They're not going to be with the adults. They're going to have to, like, somehow, like... Right. I mean, in that case, I guess I would have them be, like, a barista. And all the people that they're working with are, like, big tech people trying to make their big break, but working as a barista on the side. So three groups? Or you could do just... freshman in high school, senior in high school. You could, but my question with that is, like, what do you do with the senior when they graduate? I think what you do is you have the two parents, the two twins, and then you have an older sibling who we don't 
actually see for maybe most of the pilot. Like they're already off in college, right? So like if we if our two twins are sophomores or juniors, this person's already off in college. And maybe the brother, the sister, like Malcolm in the Middle, a style where like the brother is in the army and like he's the he's older, so you see him like sporadically every once in a while. Yeah, and then maybe okay. you could introduce storylines later on where they move back because they dropped out or something wasn't working, or they're trying to ride on the coattails of their dad's business or something like that. You know, trying to take advantage of things. But they could also be there throughout the first, particularly the first half of the first season, kind of offering little nuggets of wisdom to the younger brother or sister whenever they call and are like, hey, how's college going? So that way you don't really, you have them involved and they can create drama later down the road, but they're not immediately a part of this. Yeah, I mean, I almost wonder if like the first couple episodes, you never see the person, you just get emails or texts from them and like we can kind of like pick and choose how to introduce that person, whether it be a funny way or like. You know what I would do? I would almost take a page from Shit's Creek and take the Mutt character, mm. who's like really earthy. So I, what I would do is I would say that their oldest son or oldest daughter or whatever is like in a vocational school to be like a mechanic and like oh, okay. is going to be a mechanic. And then the family up and moves to Silicon Valley. And part of the tension there is they're like, oh, but now we can pay for you to go to college. Like you should go to college and be this mechanical engineer and this person is like i just i just want to be a mechanic can i just fix cars here in arkansas Yeah, like maybe they're really happy with the career path that they chose going to this vocational school but the parents moving kind of put a pressure onto them that they had to go but that's not really what they're passionate about i was thinking yeah. sort of like the the grandfather character in the oc in that not necessarily like how they're portrayed or whatever, but just how they're they're sporadically around, but at times they're kind of a central part of the plot and everything. And so we can have them kind of dropping in and out and not really worry about... Well, it's, it's like any TV show, like sometimes organically a guest star becomes right, like a regular. Right. But my only issue is like, I just don't want to have the heroes thing where like there's too many storylines and like people huh. hate it because like you can't fucking keep up. Yeah, no, I'd say that character is more of a drop in. Yeah. And one thing that might be fun for like, let's say it's a, a few episodes that happen over the summer. And one of the plot lines of the season is the two teenagers are trying to really get along with these Silicon Valley kids. And they've joined this robotics club over the summer. And it's like they're trying to make battle bots or something. <laughs> and so it's like this teen group of trying to make battle bots. And he gets there and everybody's making these really fancy with sensors and all this stuff. And then the older brother comes and he's like, you could just make this simple and makes this like really crude, but just very hardcore robot. That's so simple that just eviscerates everybody else's. And they're like, oh, my God, your brother is so cool. Like, what are the technical specs on that? And he's like, I just used this thing. <laughs> right. And so it's kind of it would be kind of funny in that way that that would be a, a really fun episode, I think. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I think it's like any TV show, like you just got to find each episode, something that like works or creates drama. And then like the overall arcing story of like the relationships. So the premise is basically every episode we see how this country family from a small town deals with the big city. Yeah, I think the first season is basically them kind of like adjusting the big city and creating new relationships in a very awkward environment. So... Obviously, a couple of things to really quickly beat out. I'm assuming we're all thinking hour long, and I, mm. 
No? I'm thinking like Schitt's Creek. Schitt's Creek covers a lot of ground in 20 minutes. But Schitt's Creek is very comedy, and I'm imagining this is more like teen dramedy. Yeah, I mean, I'd go half hour. My guess is it's probably designed to be an hour, but if you could make it half an hour, I think it'd be better. Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those things where it's going to land somewhere in the atypical range, atypical being the actual TV show, of like 40 minutes. Mm, yeah, I mean, if it's streaming service, it doesn't really matter, right? Like, you can make yeah. the episodes yeah. however long you want. So, yeah, that's fair. Um, I, mean, I think the big thing that we get to do in a show that you couldn't do on the OC, Beverly Hills, One Tree Hill, all those shows was like, all the networks had this big rule back then, which you don't have as much anymore, like, everything the kids do has consequences. Like if a kid drank, you had to show a kid getting a DUI or drinking and driving. Like there had to be right. there had to be some kind of lesson to learn. Like if a kid had sex, somebody had to get pregnant. They had to deal with pregnancy. So this is kind of like we can make it a little more like realistic. Yeah, we've all seen Euphoria. Though we don't condone kids drinking, we can show kids drinking and not have to deal with like, oh, next episode we need to teach them why drinking's wrong. Right, you can have a little bit more leeway in that. Yeah, which is kind of nice now because that's one of the things I think that like screwed up those earlier teen dramas is like you had to deal with these plot points that were like just part of a studio rule. Throwback to the secret life of the American teenager. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely didn't see that. I should rewatch that show. Oh man, what a hoot. You know the plot, right, Justin? Uh, It's a secret life of a teenager. Teenager gets pregnant and has the baby. Okay. And that's it. That's the entire That's the entire plot. Her secret was that she has a baby? That she had sex at band camp. Band camp is pretty cool, I guess. <laughs> Isn't there a show where like somebody gets somebody's a virgin that gets pregnant? Jane, Jane the, virgin. the Virgin. That's also a weird concept to me, but it did yeah, well it's though. It's a good show. So okay. So, let's go to the characters. Yeah. I think we have our we two got twins. Yeah. We, got, we got the two teens, you got the dad. What do we think the mom does? Do we think she works? Do we think she's like your classic Southern at home, just a mom? So I think she did work. And now that they moved out there and they have this kind of nest egg to go off of, she's not working. And she's trying to fit in with these Silicon Valley moms. And that's kind of where her, I think she is actually going to be like our main humor from the show. Like if we have one kind of slapsticky character, it's her from trying to fit in with all of these events that the socialites or whatever are are doing. I really think that we should go the opposite of what Schitt's Creek did and have her be the doTERRA person. Like she has an MLM that she was trying to hustle in her small hometown and that was her job. And like everybody there has been fried out on it, but everybody in Silicon Valley has never heard of this MLM. So they like fall in love with her. They're like, oh my God, this is so great. And so she gets really popular because it's not like a normal MLM. Because I feel like in big cities, those don't really grow because people are so closed off and they're also like not nice about it. But since she's like a sweet Southern woman and she's just like so outgoing and so into people, she ends up getting like really far with this MLM. And you just have all the husbands that are like, who cares? Let's just have them some, they need something to do. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So we got mom and dad. Kids are so. Wait, are we going with the vocational school uh, for the third? I like that. I, I like, like it. him being a mechanic. Yeah, I think that's awesome. And it then could also be her being a mechanic if we wanted to go a little bit unique. Yeah, I, I kind of do like the idea of it maybe being a woman or they're also LGBTQ because then 
the idea of like them actually wanting to be like maybe the parents could only afford to send them to a vocational school. And uh, well, obviously, that was the reasoning. But they really enjoy being a mechanic and it's going against types, you know, and that's why the parents yeah. are like, let's put you into college. Let's get you out of there. Like, we didn't want to send you here anyway, blah, 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 blah. And then right. she can be like, no, I this is what I want to do. Quit like forcing me into this. Like, I like this. Stop. Um, so I think yeah. that would be fun to play with. But but also, you could also have like the new friend groups telling the parents like, oh, you've got to get her in this, do that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then season two, she is brought to uh, a school in Silicon Valley. We got Valley, picked up for season she's, two. Yes. She's uh, she's queer. She's a lesbian. And she is like competing with this other girl in the program. And she hates it there. But she's so much better at the mechanical stuff than everybody else because she's had practical experience. Yeah. Anyway, continue. Continue. A lot Ryan. of energy on the side character. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, this, this, I love this her. This <laughs> fifth family member is taking a lot of our time. Um. Okay. So. Schitt's Creek had a lot of secondary townspeople. Are we going that route or are we going more the OC route where the townspeople end up as big a part of the story as the family? I think the town people are as big as part of the family. Okay. Big part of the story. So then what is our story? Like what is our overarching story then? I think originally what it's going to look like is it's about the twins figuring out what they want to do in this new place. Like, I think one of them wants to go back to Arkansas for sure. They don't like it there. I think the other one is enjoying the experience probably too much to the fullest. Okay. And part of that, part of that's probably a relationship. Well, maybe that could be the LGBTQ one that is like, was scared to come out in Arkansas or was going to, but now like they're thriving out there. Like these are my people. (laughs) And so it's like, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I think that's kind of like, that's the, you got these twins who have always been super close and they're both going through different things at this like really vulnerable time in life, like freshman in high school, like yeah. new school, new town, and they're going separate paths, but they're trying to like stay connected. So like, I think we're going to see them like clash a lot. So really the crux of our show centers around these two twins who yeah. are diametrically opposed in how they are, but they are twins and they've grown up together and, you know, maybe they, they grew up in a rural area and they couldn't make a lot of connections. So they've they always been each other's best friends because there's no, there've never been this many people around. Right. And so now going out there, they're just becoming who they are, but they're also fighting against that because they do love and care about each other so much. So really that's like the crux of our stories, like following these two and then the, secondary tertiary stories and characters are going to revolve around them yeah i'd love to have like your classic neighbor whether it be like a love interest or just like a weird kid who like becomes the best friend because i think that's always the a fun dynamic in those shows where like the neighbor's always either like the super hot person that like they end up dating or the really weird quirky friend that like just becomes a part of the group so I never saw the OC or Beverly Hillbillies, but yeah, I know in Schitt's Creek that old. there. <laughs> I know that Schitt's Creek there is a time constraint, or like there's an overarching goal. So clearly, with these teens, one's going to go back, one's going to want to stay. Is there like an 18 month contract that the dad has? Right? Like, do we have a time is running out? type of deal on this because Schitt's Creek you know it's it's they're trying to get out of this town correct yeah I think the play would be to have it be like 
it's a 12 month contract and that the dad is at the end of the 12 months, they don't know if it's going to be renewed or not. And so like, this could be just kind of a stop, you know, it could just be kind of a stop along the way for them. And they don't really like they they're hesitant to kind of settle, settle down and put down roots and everything because of that. And so at the end of the first season, you could be dealing with this drama of like, did his contract get renewed or, or are they going to give him a new longer term contract? And then you could just kind of play with that aspect because I think that, especially in Schitt's Creek, you know, it's always in the background, but it's just kind of there. Yeah. Right. It was never a big device though. Yeah. And so I think having something like that in the first season to kind of catapult and keep everybody on edge would be good. But then we can also play with the drama of that and then season two, three, whatever. Uh, kind of abandon it. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. I think that to me, the teen group is probably like four to five kids. You have the twins, the quirky friend, and then whether the quirky friend is a love interest or not, then you have one or two love interests to round out that little group. I mean, I feel like it might be even more interesting, like kind of what they did in the first season of Schitt's Creek, where Alexis and David went their own separate ways a little bit. Like you could have these two characters go their own separate way a little bit. And one gets into this romantic relationship a la Alexis and one makes this friend a la Stevie. And you can kind of see the tension that that brings into the twins because they've never had separate friends before. Yeah. It sounds like we've kind of figured it out. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think with this, it's it's characters first, and then storylines would just come as you, as yeah, you're beating it out in the writer. Driven. Yeah, yeah, character driven. Right. But I mean, I think the environment sets it all up. Yeah. Interesting question, and this will kind of determine how a universally marketable it is, like network or uh, cable, and b drama or comedy, religion. I don't really like bringing religion into anything, so I mean... I mean, they do that in Schitt's Creek. They completely ignore it, is what I mean. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They don't talk about it at all. I mean, I guess just since we're saying that this... Then again, Schitt's Creek is a little bit more universally, like, we don't know where anybody's from. But, like, if we're bringing this family from Arkansas, that's a very... That has a very specific flavor. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the assumption you we want people to have. And I think that's where a lot of our like comedic moments and and even some of our dramatic storylines stem from is kind of like the OC dealt with Ryan integrating into this high society. We're integrating an entire family. And so there's going to be situations arise where they don't know how to act or behave in a certain situation and so they have to get, you know, etiquette training or they have to yeah. Go get fitted for suits or something like that. And so you can create drama and you can create comedy just out of that. That's the Beverly Hillbillies aspect, right? That's where we're getting our like fun beats and our fun, maybe even like I said, dramatic storylines. Why do we have to go to Cotillion? Like, I don't understand like why people are going to a country club to kind of like to show proper etiquette. Why yeah. do we need to learn how to play golf? Things like Playing that. Playing golf would be a really good one. Yeah. And you can kind of play with those dynamics of like, yeah, we don't have to put religion there, but somebody might assume it. And you're, the guy's like, uh, no, I'm just, just me, man. Yeah. Okay, cool. I was just wondering if it would be, if it would play a big aspect. Because for some reason, when I think of the South, I think, you know, politics and religion. Maybe one of them, maybe the mom or something. Maybe one of them is religious because it's typically a mom. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that it's super played up in this. Uh... Right. It would be like an episode, not like right. the entire season. Or maybe a okay. throwaway joke like. You guys must kill your own dinner. Like, no, we've we get eggs from the grocery store. We don't. We didn't have chickens. What does that have 
have to do with religion. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, there's so many, like, stereotypes for the South and, like, small towns that you could, like... Yeah, yeah. There's oh, so many sure. throwaway jokes, like, so do you guys, like, have a cross in your house? No, my mom has a necklace, but, like, no. We well, don't I mean, like candles. even Scrubs dealt with Turks' religion every now and then. And so, yeah, like, I think it'd be, like, one-off episodes that you don't really throw anything much, like, caution to, or you just have them as they pop up. Maybe something around Christmas or something like that. Like, I don't know. I think you could also play with the fact that, like, even though California is very liberal, maybe this Arkansas family is liberal. And, like, some there's an episode where, like, you make fun of the fact that, like, there's a lot of closet Republicans in California and Silicon Valley because they like money. Yeah. You know? Like, there, you, there's so many jokes yeah. you can play with there, but you don't have to make it, like, a giant part of the story. Right. Yeah. And, I mean, like, if you did the whole, I mean, to run on the Christmas thing, like, you could do... That everybody's being really weird with them about Christmas because they think they're going to be really religious and stuff. And they're like, no, like we have Santa Claus and reindeer. Like, what are you what are you talking about? Like, we don't <laughs> do. You, I'm, I'm sorry. Is the reindeer not good enough? Did you want a baby Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, like th- one of their neighbors or whatever is like giving them baby Jesus ornaments or whatever. And they're like, what? Why are you giving us a baby? Yeah. <laughs> awesome. OK, so, yeah. yeah, that's where our comedy is. Very character driven. I think we. um Nailed it. I'm excited about this show. Yeah. All right. Danny's going to leave us now to go write the log line. How much longer can I pause? (laughs) All right. We'll be right back. Danny's going to go write the log line. When she comes back, she's going to pitch it. We'll go around the room and decide if we save the cat or scratch it. All right, Danny. We'll see you in a bit. Hey guys, Brian here. One of our favorite things here on the podcast is discovering and promoting fellow burgeoning artists, especially ones that we've been able to have on the podcast with us. With that in mind, I want to take a second and talk to everybody about Andrew J. Brandt's new book, Mixtape for the End of the World. Guys, this book is such a fun flashback to the late 90s and, more importantly, high school in general. It's a great tale of growing up, finding friends and love, and really trying to figure out how to make it all work together. One of my favorite things was seeing the soundtracks for each chapter. It was basically a now that's what I call Brian's musical taste in high school. It really resonated. was awesome. So the great news about this is it's out today. It's available on Amazon in both the Kindle version and in paperback. I guarantee it will make you want to bust out the Walkman, strum a few bars on the guitar, and wash down those smooth memories with a fresh bottle of Surge. Mixtape for the end of the world out now. Go check it out. And we're back. Danny's going to pitch us a log line. We'll go around the room starting with Brian and finishing with Danny. And we'll decide if we're going to save the cat or scratch it. All right, Danny, take it away. The Peninsula is a dramedy about a southern family from Eureka Springs who moves to Silicon Valley when father, Mr. Delmont, sells a groundbreaking new piece of tech out of his garage. Every episode, mom, dad, and two teenage twins learn how to coexist in this new world full of billionaires and tech bros. Uh, yeah, I save it. I, I really liked it. I thought it was a fun, you know, I mentioned during the break, it's kind of like the spiritual successor to the OC. And I'm here for that. I, I love the OC. And I would like to see something like this kind of uh, take over and kind of pop up in, in modern times. Uh, I really like the characters that we came up with. So yeah, save it. 
Yeah, I mean, I save it for sure. I mean, I can't wait to see the Delmonts one day. Um, I think anytime you like mix cultures like that, there's so much comedy, but there's also so much drama that could be had because everyone's learning because it's two different perspectives. And uh, anytime you have something or someone that's different, there's a great opportunity to have fun and, and have the comedy. So, like, I think it'd be fun to watch. I mean, there's so many good shows out there that have done this and it's been enjoyable to watch. So, yeah, I save it. Yeah, that's going to be three saves because I 100% save it. One thing that I love about it is we do see a lot of shows where it seems like in the vein of Schitt's Creek and there's this interesting novel called Godland that talks a little bit about this. But we see a lot of people from the city kind of trying to understand people from the country, right? But we don't usually see it go the other way. Like a lot of people who live in small towns don't really have a big interest in understanding the minds of city dwellers. Um, So I think it would be really interesting to kind of have the reverse Schitt's Creek where it's living in the city world and seeing kind of how different that is, but also not completely demonizing it and making it the other. So yeah, I save it. I think it's really fun. Yeah. It's another reason I like, I pitched it because like, I mean, just talking to Danny, who's a little bit younger than us, like she hasn't seen a show like this, even though Brian and I like growing up, that was a really big show. It's oh, yeah. there hasn't been anything like it in a long time. I think Gossip Girl is probably the next closest thing. But like, it wasn't the same thing. You know, they were already living. They all lived in the city. This is like two different states. I mean, talk about like dramatically changing, you know, your environment. So I think it'd be fun to watch. Cool. Well, we got three saves for the peninsula. I really am going to have to ask my brother if people call it the peninsula. Now I'm really curious. Hashtag the pin. If they don't, they will after the show. Hell yeah. Creating trends. That's what we do. Hashtagging it. That's what we do. Awesome. Um, All right. What is everybody watching? All right. Well, I have been watching a lot of pilots because I'm in this Sundance collab class. So uh, some things that I watched this past week for pilots have been past few weeks have been uh, watch The Sopranos, which I hadn't seen. DOC. I watched Glow. I watched uh, Insecure. I did not watch the OC. I watched Atypical. Yeah, I've just been watching a lot of pilots and it's been a lot of fun. Danny, what is your favorite pilot of all time? Ooh, my favorite pilot of all time. I think I'm going to have to go with the really cliche answer, which is Breaking Bad, because it's just so well written. After the end of this this course, I might have a different opinion. It might be six feet under, but we'll see. Okay. Mine is Lost. I thought Lost came in and it was a freaking movie. And I'd never seen anything like it. Just the intrigue and the drama and the characters that they set up. I remember watching that and just being like, this is one of the best things I've ever seen. And it's been 60 minutes. Like, how are they doing this? Uh, So lost for me. I think maybe House for me. Oh. Oh, I love House. House is my favorite show. The pilot does a good job. I just don't know how... It does a really good job for functioning as a pilot for a procedural, is what I'll say. Yeah. But as far as uh, screenwriting, I try not to uh, salivate over procedurals as much just because they're procedurals. Fair. It was Uh, such a unique procedural, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's my favorite, literally my favorite TV character of all time. Uh, What have I been watching? Oh, you know what I watched? I don't even know if I talked about this, but I watched Speed. I rewatched the movie Speed. <laughs> you did not talk about that. 
Yeah. Why? Someone had mentioned it in a podcast I was listening to, and I was like, you know what? I haven't watched that in forever. It held up. It was it was pretty solid. Interesting. Like, I mean, Keanu Reeves is a uh, pretty badass, and uh, it was a unique, uh, unique little story. But uh, yeah, and maybe re- I rewatched The Matrix because of that too. Oh yeah, well that's that's great. Um, interesting. Okay, well I, you know, chugging along. Oscars happened, and I'm still chugging along my Best Picture nominees. I watched to date my favorite Best Picture nominee, Sound of Metal. Ooh, I need to see it. It was fantastic. Riz was robbed. Well, I can't say that. I still haven't seen The Father, but Riz uh, gave the best performance of his career and one of my favorite performances of the last few years. It was so raw, uh, beautifully shot. Well, well done. All around, Sound of Metal was just really, really raw and emotional, and I really liked what they did there. Uh, So, yeah, check out The Sound of Metal. Speed featuring Keanu and a whole mess of shows. Let's see. What did you say? Insecure, great show. Um, The Sopranos, great show. Ugh. Wow. Hated it. Wow. Some opinions in here. I mean, honestly, I didn't even finish it. I got so bored. How far did you get? Uh, I'm on the last season. Oh, well. If you would have given up after the first season, I would have gotten it, but... I, I just thought it was so well done. Uh, I can't say the same for Breaking Bad because I think that is one of the most boring shows on television. I agree. I think uh, the pilot sucked. I thought I made it through like three episodes and I was like Breaking Bad. Yeah. yeah. See, I will agree with Danny. The pilot got me and then it lost me immediately after I, I couldn't. The pace of that show was so just slow. such a slog. And Fair. it's one of those, I joke about it, but it's one of those shows that people are like, if you can just get through the first three seasons, it really takes off seasons four <laughs> and five. And I'm like, ah. But I will say this. I read Amy Poehler's book, Yes, Please. And she talks about it. And I made it through the first season of Parks and Recs, which is not great. And the show became amazing. Yeah, because it became a totally different show. I enjoy the first season of Parks and Rec, but then I do too now. What they changed, it worked so much better. Completely agree with you. It really changed season three, bringing in uh, Rob Lowe and Adam Scott. The the dynamics in that show completely shifted, and the characters became so much more well rounded. It stopped focusing on on just Leslie and really became a, a group uh, dynamic thing. And that's where it really took off for me. So, Yeah, so to this day, I always try to give a show like a couple of seasons if somebody really recommends it. But God, Breaking Bad was awful for if me. If somebody really, really <laughs> recommends it, I'll try to watch it. But for me, I have a system where I'll watch the first four episodes of any TV show. Because in my mind, after four episodes, you should find at least a semblance of your footing. And if you don't buy four, like, I, I, I can't. Game of Thrones was like, that's okay. I've seen some bits and pieces of Game of Thrones, and I've read the books, but I just never got into the series. And then I also got into it late after everybody was already like, this is shit. And I'm like, okay, well, now I don't want to watch it because <laughs> I don't want to be disappointed after freaking seven seasons. Well, that was the big thing is like the way it ended, people hated it. And I was yeah. like, eh, I yeah. get it, whatever. It could have been like one of the biggest TV shows like of our generation. But that season finale, man, everybody has just turned on it. Mm-hmm. I mean, the way they did it was just like, really? <laughs> I mean, there were so many options. Yeah. But whatever. 
Awesome. Well, we have three saves for the peninsula. Uh, we have Sound of Metal, Speed, and a whole host of pilots. So that has been this episode, episode 40. 40 episodes in. Can you believe it? Woot, woot. Woot to the woot. And we can save the cat. I think after 40 episodes, we're starting to realize that like, yeah, we, we kind of can. I agree. All right. Well, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, as always, it has been a pleasure. I am Brian Hayes. You can find me at Redacted. You can also find the podcast at Can We Save Pod on Instagram and Twitter and at Can We Save Podcast on TikTok. We are now TikToks. TikTokers, Tiki Talkies. What what would what would the Gen Zers say? We're now I think TikTokers. Hashtag TikTokers. We're talkers. Oh my god! I don't ask me. I'm I don't know. Super worried um, about all of you. Sheesh. I'm Danny Hanks. You can find me at official Danny Hanks on Instagram or at Danny underscore Hanks on Twitter, where I'm a lot more active recently. So tweet me. Hit me up. I'm Justin Eugene. You can find me on TikTok, Instagram, or Twitter. I will probably talk to none of you, but please send your love. <laughs> I will probably talk to none of you. <laughs> did you did you see what I did there? No, keep sending DMs. It's been awesome. Love connecting to you guys. And obviously, if you send your ideas to Danny and Brian, they'll get on the podcast. You send them to me. I will just keep them for myself. Hell yeah. <laughs> because Justin's the worst. Or I will work on a project privately with you as I am a producer. But thank you guys so much. Please like, share, and subscribe. Big shout out to our social media person, Grace, who's been helping a lot. Very excited to do some more stuff. See you guys soon. Thank you all. Have a good day. Bye.